Over the last two decades, I've been on a quest to learn everything I can about leadership, obsessed with what makes the best leaders so good. After running companies small and large for the last 20 years, today I speak on stages all across the world to audiences who are interested in that same question. My name's John Laredo, and I'm your host. I invite you to join me on this journey as we explore this topic. What makes the best leaders so good? Welcome to Tomorrow's Leader. All right, welcome to today's edition of Tomorrow's Leader, where we dive deep on all things leader-related. So I was having a conversation with a friend recently, and we started to talk about some times in our life where we felt enormous pressure and how we do in pressure situations. And it's an interesting question because I think everybody can think through times, situations where they performed great under pressure. Maybe it was a sporting event. uh, Maybe it was a speech you had to give. Maybe it was a business situation or something. And then we all have situations where we flopped under pressure, at least if you're like a normal human being you've had probably both of those in your life, if you think hard enough. Now, maybe you've had one more than the other. Maybe you're used to not succeeding under pressure. Maybe you're one of the lucky few that succeeds under pressure or even does better under pressure. My theory is that whatever you tell yourself is ultimately what you're going to be. So some of us had had an early point in life, maybe somebody say to us, hey, you know what, you're really good under pressure. And then you kind of get it in your head and then you realize, hey, you know what, I'm kind of good under pressure. Or you may have had the other, you know, where you had some bad experiences and then all of a sudden you get it into your head, okay, I don't do well in those situations. Again, whatever you have going on up here is going to predict usually more times than not the outcome. But it was an interesting conversation because we started to talk about, okay, are there ways, what do you do? You know, what, what, what do high performing athletes do? Uh, What do we all do in situations where we have to perform in a certain uh, situation. And uh, sometimes what it comes down to, though, is we put undue pressure on ourselves. Um, There are times where we have to do a task, and for some reason, we look at it as a bigger deal than it really is. And because of that, we put more pressure, and ultimately, that creates an anxiety level that prevents us from doing as good as we can do. So the question is, what can you do? How do you actually change that or dial that down or change that so that you're in a more relaxed or as you call it, the zone. Um, And, you know, I think about people that uh, are great at doing this. You know, you have athletes that are really great at visualizing um, and that helps them go through routine that puts them into that zone. You've got other people that are just naturally great at blocking out the distractions Um, and other people that just for some reason seem to kind of get to their A game naturally uh, when they're in those situations. It's almost like that that puts them in the zone, the physical act of being in a high pressure situation, their body and their mind just go right into the zone. Um, I'm not like that. I wish I was. I wish it happened automatically. And I can think of countless examples on both. Uh, I was relaying a a kind of a funny story uh, the other day to to my friend, and we were talking about a time where uh, and I've, I played baseball growing up. I know I've shared some stories before. And, uh, you know, I was a pitcher. So I obviously, you know, when you play sports and you at, at some point in your life, you give it up. 
there's always a party that says, ah, I'd love to play it again. You know, it'd be kind of cool to get back into it. Well, I was at a point in my life, I was in my uh, you know, so probably late 30s, and I wanted to get back into playing baseball. There are men's leagues out there and stuff like that. And I remember this was a Friday night. I was actually at a, at a work function. It was a happy hour. And one of my advisors happened to be talking about the fact that he plays on a men's league. And me thinking, wow, this would be pretty cool. This might be my opportunity. I said, hey, I'd love to play in a men's league. Do you guys have any any room on your team at all? Or how do you get involved in this? And to my surprise, he said, yeah, actually, we do. We need, we actually have an open spot. We need somebody. He said, what position do you play? And I said, well, I used to pitch. He said, wow, we need a pitcher. That's actually what we need. In fact, we have an opening this Sunday. Could you play and can you pitch? We need a pitcher for Sunday's game. And I'm like, Sunday is in like 36 hours from now, like this Sunday? He said, yeah, we need a pitcher. Can you pitch? I'm like, yeah, I think I can. I can do it. I can pitch. Sure. Yeah, why not? It's only been 20 years since I've thrown, but I can do it. So I'm literally, I remember this vividly. I'm ecstatic. I'm like, I'm going to get my opportunity to pitch again. This is, I, all right, I'm in my late 30s, whatever. It doesn't matter. So I, I the next day I practice, I practice, I practice. And, uh, you know, I'm putting pressure on myself. Obviously, I'm like, okay, this is a big deal. Now, men's leagues are all different levels of competitiveness. This was, you know, medium at best level of competitiveness and maybe even a little bit below. So it wasn't like any kind of high stakes. But to me, this was majorly important. Well, I go out there. I feel great. I pitch for four innings. I struck out half a dozen people. I'm like, I felt on top of the world. I'm like, this is amazing. Like, I got my stuff back. This is like my mojo. I've got it back. So I end up calling up my my dad, who uh, always loved when I played baseball and regretted that I stepped away from baseball. And I said, Dad, you'll never believe I'm playing baseball again. I'm on a men's team. And the best thing part about this is I'm pitching. And he was like, wow, that's incredible. I said, yeah, I'm actually pitching again next week. I just pitched and I did well. And I'm pitching against next, next week. You should come see. He said, I'd love to. So the next week rolls around. I've got my my dad and my mom and my kids, Nick and Skye, uh, watching me. And now I'm like really feeling some pressure. I'm like, okay, my dad hasn't seen me pitch in 20 years and my kids have never seen me pitch before. And, you know, I, I did well last game. So like my teammates are expecting me to do well. And okay. So suddenly this pressure was really, really building up. And, uh, I'm like, okay, just relax. I'm warming up on the side. My arm felt pretty good. And, you know, felt, felt like I was in the zone again. And, Get out there. The game's about to start. Throwing some warm-up pitches off the mound. Feel pretty good. And all right, I think I got this one. I think it's going to be a repeat of last week and a couple strikeouts an inning. Strikeouts an inning. I feel good. And I get up there and go into my wind-up, the first pitch, first batter. Right beforehand, I remember looking over to you know my parents and the kids and kind of giving them a little tip of the hat and this confident you know look on my face and anticipating the first batter I'm going to strike out and. Um, I go into my windup, take a step back, leg kicks up. I go to take a step, and I don't know what happened, but I my my ass muscle just pulled, and I just I I pulled my glute, and I stepped, and I like fell, and I barely got the ball to home plate on the first pitch. I pulled my glute, 
my butt muscle off the mound in my second, you know, <laughs> timeout, my family there watching. And uh, I'm like, okay, this is ridiculous. So I stretch it. I'm like really in a lot of pain. People at the sidelines are looking at me. My parents, I think, are looking at me like, what the? And uh, the, 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 my teammates, the catcher doesn't know what's happened and thought I just whatever fell slipped i'm like okay let me just you know regain my composure here and sure enough i mean i stretched this thing as much as i could i could not get it back and i just i went on to to i hit that first batter he goes to first uh i don't really remember i kind of blacked out a little bit but all i know is it got to the point where i just couldn't throw and i honestly i walked four batters in or i walked four batters and walked a run in and uh, I had to take myself out of the game. It was like ridiculous. It was just the worst thing. It was like my body did not accept the amount of pressure that I was under and just wanted to get me out of that moment. And, uh, and that's what happened. So that was the last time I pitched. And uh, maybe one day I'll get another opportunity. But disaster. Uh, so, you know, I think about that. And I'm sure if I did get the opportunity to pitch, that would be in my head again, right? I'd have that bad experience coming back in my head. Okay, geez, you know, don't have your butt muscle go out again. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, but then I think about these other situations where I was in really high pressure situations and did great, did terrific. Uh, you know, I had a, I had a big speech that I had to give. This was not that long ago. This was actually middle of last year, a little over a year ago at a a big conference, 3,000 people in the audience, and I'm on the main stage doing a presentation. uh, And that definitely created some nerves getting ready for that. I wanted to make sure it was awesome. And uh, I don't think I've shared this story with many people that know this, but uh, there was a lot of preparation that went into this. I did a lot of role play. I made sure I really knew my stuff well. And uh, I'm sitting in the audience the morning of, and they had gone through a pretty tight... uh, uh, agenda. So they had everybody mapped out, hey, this speaker's going to go on this one and this one. And I was the last speaker of the morning. So the session started at 8.30. I was going on at like 11.15, uh, right before the breakout. And um, so, you know, I'm there, I'm kind of relaxed. And I'm, 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 it was like 10 o'clock. I've got another hour and 15 minutes. They're just ending a presenter, about to end a presenter. And then there's another presenter that goes on for about an hour. And then I go. So, you know, I'm sitting there with a couple of my colleagues relaxing and they're, they're, this presenter is wrapping up and going to turn it over to the person before, for me. And I get a text on my phone and it's the conference organizer saying, where are you? You're next. You've got to get mic'd up. You're on right after this person. And I'm looking at this text and I'm like, well, I don't, I, I, thought, I thought I had another hour. I, I, I'm not next. I'm supposed to go next. I'm supposed to go after this person. And suddenly my mind and my heart are in like overdrive, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, okay, I just handed my wallet and my phone to the person next man. I'm like, okay, I, I bolted. This was a huge auditorium and I had to go all the way to the back and around. And I see the mic guy like panicked looking for me like, okay, this person before me is walking off the stage and the the person introducing me is walking on the stage and and I get to him as they're introducing me. He's furiously putting on the microphone uh, and he's and he, he's panicked, which is making me panicked. And I'm like, OK, my heart is beating, beating. And I remember I'm like, OK, this is not the way I wanted to do this presentation. Um, and I just remember saying to myself, OK, this is your moment. This is what I practiced for. Just go up there and have fun. 
just go up there, have a blast. You're going to nail it. And I just remember almost just slapping that nervous anxiety guy down and just going into the zone. And I just took some three steps up onto the stage, walked up center stage, started, and it was awesome. It was fantastic. And I felt like I was in the zone and uh, got done, got a bunch of accolades, and uh, it was a great, great success. But wow, was that on the brink of not being a success. I had to very quickly, in a moments, like few seconds, change my mentality, calm myself down, because that was not the situation I had anticipated. But somehow I figured out how to do that. So it's funny how life works. You learn how to do it once. You don't learn how to do it another time. You learn how to do it another time. But the key is, can you figure out what does it for you when you're in those situations? What do you have to do? What's your routine? What do you got to say to yourself? What do you have to do beforehand? What do you have to visualize? Who do you have to interact with? There's certain people I like to talk with, talk with before uh, I have a high pressure uh, presentation or something, whatever. Just put yourself in that state that's going to give you that highest chance of peak performance. I think about another great story, which was um, uh, Antonio Robolo, who most everybody, I'm sure, has no idea who Antonio Robolo is. But Antonio Robolo, if you happen to watch the 1992 Summer Olympics at Barcelona, the opening ceremonies, to me, that was one of the most exciting opening ceremonies for one reason. Now, every ceremony, they bring in the torch, and they go up and they light the torch and it's carried uh, obviously for you know miles and miles and miles and miles and miles prior and without that torch uh, going out. Well, this lighting of the torch was very different because Antonio Robolo was a um, an archer and took the 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 torch and somebody lighted his bow, his arrow rather, and he shot this up. 200 feet up in the air over a, a, the, the actual main torch or cauldron that was filled with gas, and this had to ignite the torch that way. So shooting a bow and arrow, an arrow through the air a few hundred feet and landed in the perfect spot to light this, I'm thinking, wow, what kind of pressure is this guy under? Uh, for those of you who saw it, he did it absolutely meticulously and it was flawless. But the entire place, and I remember knowing that this was going to happen, everybody was on edge thinking for this guy, wow, if he screws this up, this nobody will ever forget this. This is the Olympics. You got one shot at this. If you mess it up, you're going to be known forever. If you get it, you're going to be known forever. But this is talk about high stakes. And what's interesting, the background behind that is he he tells the story now he had practiced and they had gone through hundreds of archers to try and select the right one they did they were concerned not about the skill of the archer they were concerned about this situation how would they react in a panicked high pressure situation so they they auditioned and and interviewed hundreds they did psycho psychological testing on a couple hundred of them and antonio came out number one on the on the psychological side they thought he would be the one to least likely crack under pressure but even he said when he was getting ready now he had prepared and practiced and and did over 700 attempts practice attempts and actually only missed it twice that's unbelievable in of itself but he still missed it twice out of 700 now your brain at that point has a choice do you think about the two that you missed or do you think about the 698 that you made 
obviously he thought about the right ones because it was a success. But he tells a story. He said, you know, it was dark. It was at night. And when it was that moment, you know, he was very much in the zone and relaxed and calm until the torch came in and was getting closer to him. And that's when he started to get anxious. And he started to lose his concentration. He said, I saw everybody in the in the audience in the stands had these lights. And he said, all I could see were these lights. And even the athletes had them. And it was distracting. And I just started to, to think about where I was and what I'm doing in this pressure. And before you knew it, his mind started to go in a place he did not want it to go. And he was able to just, again, put that down and slam that down and just focus and put the blinders on. He said, I had to mentally, I had to just really abruptly and forcefully push out all the distraction and force myself to get in the zone. And then his muscle memory and his, his brain just took over. He had a mental countdown that he did, did the same thing every single time, visualized it, took the shot. And as you know, it, it hit perfectly. But again, I think about the pressure of that. And to make things worse, up to two hours beforehand, he didn't even know he was going to be the guy doing it. They had all alternates and they, they weren't really sure who was, believe it or not, up until two hours before, he was not certain that he was going to be the one that would actually be out there. Unbelievable. Think about that type of pressure. So it just amazes me how people can somehow figure out how to perform in those situations. You can't change the external circumstances, but some people figure out how do they change their perception of it? Uh, how do they take the, the pressure or the spotlight off of themselves? And again, some of us are, maybe some people are good at the pressure actually helps them perform. And if that's you, all power to you, put the pressure on yourself. But if you're like a lot of us, that doesn't necessarily help us. You've just got to figure out how do you control that? How do you deflect it? so that it doesn't seem like such a high-pressure situation. Uh, for me, it's just trying to in, just dive into that task and have fun with it. I know had I gone back to that baseball game and said, hey, you know what, it doesn't really matter how I do. Listen, if I just go out here and have fun, if I strike out a batter, awesome. If I do okay, whatever, let me just have some fun. I mean, this is the first time I've pitched. My parents and family have seen me in years pitch. Let me just go out and have a good time. I know I would have done great. I put too much pressure on myself. And because of that, my body just reacted in a bad way. And, and uh, it was disaster, right? So how can you figure out the ways to put yourself in the most highest likely scenario of achieving success? And that's what you got to figure out. You just got to figure out the routine. You got to figure out the thought process. You got to figure out your pregame ritual, whatever it is. Breathing exercises, they're terrific. Put yourself in a more calm state and figure out what that is to put yourself in that zone. Uh, Interesting stuff. So I figured I'd share a couple of stories with you, but that's the takeaway for today. So think about, are you the type of person that performs at a high level? Are you the type of, at a high level when there's pressure? Do you perform best on, not under pressure? Here's the leadership takeaway. If you as a leader know your people really well, you should know that about them. And because of that, you should lead them differently. I've had situations where I had, I knew people did not perform well under pressure. So all I needed to do as a leader was to make them feel like there was less pressure. I mean, literally, if they were doing a big presentation, all I needed to do was say, hey, listen, don't worry about it. You know, all these people in the audience, they would screw it up. They wish they could be on this stage. And if you screw up, who cares? Honestly, who gives a crap? So what? You know, take the pressure off of them or, or just give them confidence. Hey, listen, you've done this in your sleep. I know you're going to do a great job. I'm barely going to pay attention. So most people aren't either. Whatever. 
your job as a leader is to to help your people get to their peak state. Don't put the pressure on them if you know that's not how they they deal well. If you do and you know that that's what they want, then great, go for it. But figure out your people, what helps them operate at a peak level and then help create that environment for them. That's what great leaders do. That's what great coaches do. They know their their athletes, their players, and they'll do the things that put them into that peak state and create the highest chance of success. And once you've done it once, it's easier to do a second time. Once you've done it a second time, easier to do a third. And before you know it, it becomes a pattern. And you say to yourself, hey, you know what? I do really well in these situations. And before you know it, you do. And that's how life works. So hope you enjoyed today. Keep listening. Keep liking, subscribe, share, comment, all that kind of good stuff. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Tomorrow's Leader for suggestions or inquiries about having me at your next event or personal coaching. Reach me at john at loritogroup.com. Once again, that's J-O-H-N at L-A-U-R-I-T-O-G-R-O-U-P.com. Thanks. Lead on.